Welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable Podcast. On Lancelot's Roundtable Podcast, I gather at the table with special guests and listen to their unique stories and learn about their lives. In having these long-form conversations, I hope to grow in my perspectives and understanding. So get ready and listen in. As you listen to this and other episodes, perhaps your life will be enriched in a meaningful way. Oh no, this wasn't my badge. This was my car keys. And I was like, Lance. I I can't find my car keys. I just drove here. And I was like, Lance, I I just got here. Literally just drove here. I drove here. I cannot find my car keys. You know, we're not going to... Doing what I'm doing, I'm not going to stop crime. Mm-hmm. Like, people are always, it's just going to happen. People are going to be evil. People are going to do evil things. Um, but if someone doesn't do something, then it's just going to be that much worse. With one of our FIV applicants, when he's telling us, the Taliban are in my neighborhood. They're knocking on doors. They're knocking on my door. So we're walking down the hall and. This, one of his, his uh, roommates came up. There were three boys in, the, in this room, came up. Hey, Richie, who's this guy? And he grabs me, he had little hands. He grabbed me by the, by the pinky. This is my new pop. Whoa. So I'm gosh. like turning away, trying not to like burst out in tears. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He was smart. He knew what was going on. All right, everybody, we are back for another episode of Lancelot's Roundtable. Thanks so much for listening in. Now, before we get into today's episode, please consider supporting our work. We want to continue to bring you the best episodes we can. Here's how you can support. First, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Helps people find us. Second, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Finally, consider making a $5 donation by going to our Instagram page and clicking on the link in in our bio. Thank you so much for all the support. Once again, this episode has been brought to you by Orphan World Relief. Since its founding in 2008, Orphan World Relief has built strong partnerships with churches, businesses, other nonprofit organizations, and people just like you. Over the years, OWR has helped children in crisis, including those living as orphans and refugees, kids entering foster care for the first time, older children aging out of the foster care system, and finally families as they deal with the stress and trauma of foster care and adoption. Want to know more? Head over to orphanworldrelief.org to see how you can help by volunteering and or donating. Orphan World Relief. Hope changes everything. So on today's episode, I am bringing back a fan favorite from season one, episode eight, when we talked about immigrating to the U.S. 101 with Cal Militaro. I asked Cal to come on and be a guest podcast host uh, with me on today's episode. We are going to be interviewing another immigrant that we both know, George Lacumas. So Cal, George, welcome to the roundtable. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. So, George. Yes. Where did you, where were you born? I was born in a small city in Greece called Ioannina. Where is it in Greece? Uh, I guess northern part of Greece, close to Albania. Albania. Very close to the border of Albania. Okay. And uh, when did you leave Greece? I left Greece in 1980. I was 20 years old. 20 years old? So you were there for 20 years? I, I didn't know that. Yes. 
and now I'm forty. I'm now I'm sixty two. I've been here forty two years. I thought you were going to say you're forty two years old. <laughs> well, if I was born nineteen eighty, yes. <laughs> but I was not born nineteen eighty. I was here. I came Excellent. here in nineteen eighty. Got it. Okay. And then how did? Wh- where did you end up when you moved here? Well, that's a good question. I found a paper, or I saw a paper, paper ad that said, "If you want to come to America, come to Finley, Ohio." And yes. I came to Finley, Ohio. I remember I opened up the encyclopedia at the time, and I looked Finley in Ohio, and Ohio said Ohio River, and Finley was not even anywhere. I could not find Finley, but I found Ohio. So I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I guess I'm going there. So I came to Finley, Ohio. Finley, Ohio, of all places. Finley College. Finley College. Was that where they were advertising you to go to? Yes. Okay. Why did you want to come to Finley, Ohio to go to college? Well, because I had previously uh, uh, attempted to... Uh, to pass the exams for the university in Greece twice and I had failed. Okay. So I saw the ad and I thought, hey, this is a message from God. They want me to go to America. <laughs> Sounds great. And then I talked to my dad. I said, Dad, if you can support me for a year, I have an opportunity here to go to America. Please help me for a year and after a year I'll be okay. Wow. So dad said, okay, we agreed. He agreed to uh, help me financially for one year. Wow. And then you ended up here. Yes. So, so what was growing up in Greece like? Uh, it was exciting. The, the majority of my time, I lived in a small island called Corfu on the Adriatic Sea, mm-hmm. across from the Italian boot. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was quiet. It was, we ate fish a lot. It was quiet, as I said, quiet, sunny, and beautiful. Mm. And I remember a couple of times we did not have school because we had snow flurries. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's one thing I <laughs> would weather. know about Greece is, like, what is the weather like? Yeah, now, in Corfu, it's, it's like that. It's, I mean, it gets cold, but not that cold. Like 40 degrees, 35 is, is considered very cold. Okay. <clears throat> so you weren't used to flurries or snowstorms? Yeah. So what no, was it I'm like not. when you came to Ohio and you got to go through a winter here? It took me several... I came here in June, uh-huh. and I remember people were trying to warn me because there were other Greek students in Finley College, by the way. Okay. As many as like 100, maybe. I don't know why so many, but... Really? Finley College has 3,000 students, and 100 of us were Greeks. That's amazing. Yeah. So they, they would try to warn me, but I could not fathom that it could be, it's going to snow, we're going to get feet of snow, yeah. and different shoes, different uh, jackets. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I waited till the last minute when the snow came. And, uh, so you didn't even have a jacket? I didn't have a jacket, no. Okay, so what do you think for your first snowfall? I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought. So cold here. I couldn't even walk to the from the from the door room to the cafeteria. Oh, I remember wow. I had to buy a different pair of shoes because I was sleeping all the way. I couldn't go. So Man, I bought that's wild. different shoes, jacket, pants, everything. Wow. That's great. And then you felt great about it? Or was it just like, why do I gotta wear all these layers? I don't know if I felt great about it, but it was it was school, <laughs> so I didn't mind. Plus I was twenty years old. So. Fair, yeah. You yeah. can go th- you can handle a lot when you're twenty years old. Absolutely. What? What, what, what is weather like in Romania? Oh, Romania is pretty much like here. It is like here. As a matter of okay. fact, where I lived in Bucharest, uh, we got more snow than we get here in Ohio. Really? Oh, yeah. We would have snowstorms where, as a, chi- <coughs> as a child, the snow was as tall, as big as me. Ru- <laughs> so they would it. just okay. channel away. There was no thing as a snow day at school. They would literally <laughs> just get everybody out. It's communism. Get your shovels. Shovel the path and yeah. everybody, the kids go to school, but they're literally going through tunnels. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, uh, I don't remember ever staying home because of a s- Snow. snowstorm. Man, I mean, they, just, they just say we're going to have snow and yeah, take the day here off. It's like, oh, yeah, it's snowing in, uh, in the other state. We're going to close here yeah. just in case. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. You were going to ask something. <laughs> I was going to ask you, um, 
and maybe you'll say later, but how long did it take you to say, you know what, I'm going to stay? Because the way you said it, George, was probably a temp- it was a temporary arrangement at the time for you to just to go school here and then decide what you want to do. What? And I, you know, maybe it'll, it'll be down the line. You'll explain that to us. Um, yes, I remember that I, I wanted to come here and I remember that I wanted to stay and I was prepared to answer to people who asked me, George, are you going to stay? I was like, well, I'm not sure yet. I have not really decided because I was afraid what could happen mm. because at first I was here on one year visa. Okay. And then I met my wife, by the way, in Finley College. Yeah. Dad, Patricia. The first year? Yeah. Okay. Beautiful blonde, blue eye. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lucky guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So after that, I was like, I'm going to stay. So I, I remember her friends asking me, George, are you going to stay here after school? I'm like, I'm not sure yet. And then I was telling Pat, don't listen to what I say to them. You know I'm staying, right? Oh, nice. Yeah. So she, was, she knew you were going to stay. She knew I was staying, yeah. Well, what did your family think? Were they expecting you to come back? They were. They were expecting me to come back. They didn't send me here to stay here, but oh, well. So yeah. was there any issues there or did that go over? Okay. Um, just, well... As I said, I had told my dad that I only needed support for a year. Right. The support lasted until two years later, until May of 1982. Uh-huh. And after that, I said, I'm done. And then I was, I was, uh, I decided I was going to stay, but my parents were okay with it. They were okay with it. Okay. With okay. It. So Good. no drama there. No drama, no. Fantastic. Yeah, I love that. So you, you were here for two years. Was that, it was that, would that be considered like freshman, sophomore years? Yeah. I okay. was here at first. I mean, I came in, uh, let's see, in June, I went to school in like, July right away, summer school. Got it. And then in May of that next year, I went to Greece for a few, a couple months off. Sure. Then I had to go to the American Embassy to get an extension of my visa from one year became four years. Okay. Yeah. Was that a long, hard process or did that work out okay? No, actually the, the hard process, the problem I have, it was in the beginning when I got the one year, when I went to the American Embassy and asked for a visa, I said, I want to come to the States. The guy there, the ambassador, I'm not the ambassador, but whoever was talking to me there said, hey, uh, he wanted to know if I have any relatives in America. He's, he's like, well, every, every Greek has relatives in America. I'm like, <laughs> I do not. So he didn't believe me, so he didn't trust me. Uh-huh. So he wanted me to uh, present uh, papers that, that show what uh, uh, property we own, what, what do we have, what kind of financial uh, Here support. in the States. Or what in I Greece. had in Greece before I was allowed to Got leave. It. So I had to go back and get all that paperwork. Wow. I had to beg for... I had to for my uncle to show that uh, paper, that property he has is ours, <laughs> like that. So after all this stuff, I went back to the embassy, and then they gave me the visa for a year. Uh, so, uh, so it wasn't a four-year visa? At first, it was one year. Then I went back. And then they the did year, give you a four-year. Four. Okay. Yeah. And then what were you studying? Uh, in a business. I thought, hey, everyone who comes to America from Greece has to know about business, business administration. Yes. Marketing. Yes. So that's what your degree was in? Yes. yes. That's fantastic. Now, what was it like being a foreigner over here? Did you know English? Um, I knew some English because uh, my dad had sent us to a private school in Greece, in Corfu, me okay. and my brother. Uh-huh. But it was a little hard. I remember um, I had to sit in the front row in class to understand the teacher, the professor, when he okay. was speaking. Uh-huh. And then I also remember I tried to listen to the radio, and, you know, you couldn't, it was like, well, well, well Finley College. Like, okay. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things like that. Yeah, okay. So it wasn't too crazy. Did you get a, a group of friends? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, guys named George also there. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's a popular name. Yeah, for the Greeks. So how did Pat's parents react to you guys getting together? <laughs> this is a good question. That's a very good question. This is why I had Cal on. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was known as a quiet guy, believe it or not, the guy who didn't speak much. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was afraid to say a lot. I was very quiet. I was very reserved, I guess, at first. But they loved me. I loved Pat's parents from the day I met Pat and their parents. They were very good people. Mm-hmm. They accepted me, I think. So we all went. I mean, I mean, we would go out, the four of us, to eat and go up places afterwards. It was very, very nice. So was, were her parents in Finley? Yeah. So they all lived there. They so lived. you guys got, Now, did she commute or did she live on campus? No, she lived um, just down the road from Finley College. That's, uh, Finley is a small town. So, so she just walked there she every day? drove. Yeah, drove there every day. Uh, yeah. And then you lived on campus? I lived on campus, yeah. Okay. So that, I mean, that sounds like pretty cool, pretty ideal. For a 20-year-old, 21-year-old, it was like I was living, living your life. life. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Living your best life. The best life ever, yes. Now, was there, I mean, flip side of that question is how did your family react to you dating a American girl? Well, my mom told me later that the, the fact that they allowed me to come to the States, they knew that I was going to be getting involved with some American girls. So they expected it. that. I guess. They were expecting it. I mean, that makes sense as a kid. Yeah, you send mean, your boy to college. He's probably yeah, going to... 21 years old, what he's going to do here. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be somebody from, from this country. So there you go. Okay. How about your... Uh, I know you have two brothers, right? Yes. Uh, how did they react to all this? I know your parents you said your parents were pretty understanding. Well, my one brother is about two years younger than me, but the other one is six years younger. So the other one, the six one year old younger, didn't say much at all. Mm-hmm. But the one who was two years old, he was like, "Hey, American girl, okay, why not?" Did they want to come here? Oh uh, yeah, we wanted to come here. So what 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 was their story? Did they end up here? Well, they didn't want to come to stay here. They wanted to come and visit. So my brother, the younger gotcha. one, came to visit. Then my parents came after that okay. and to stay for. You know, when mom comes from Greece to visit you, you're married. Doesn't mm-hmm. come to stay there for a week or two, a year. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so your mom came and stayed for a year. Yes. Well, my wife was okay with it, too, by the way. She was, it was, it was. When did you guys get married? We got married two years later. So I came here in 1980. Uh-huh. In June, in May of 1982, we got married in Finley, Ohio. Still going to college. Still going to college. What was she studying? She was not. She has dropped out of college. She was working at some place in Finley. Got it, okay. And then, uh, oh, by the way, by the time we got married, her dad was an agent in Finley. He was an insurance agent. Got it. And Pat got a job here in Columbus, so we were going to transfer. Or and that's how you got ended up here? Yeah. Okay, wow. That's fascinating. People's stories are, like, really fascinating. So you get over here, you meet a girl, it didn't take you long to get married, you're married, you're still going to college, you finish up college, and then you guys come to Columbus. Yeah. What did you do once you Actually, I didn't here? finish college. I was just in between. I had taken, like, a year or so. Got it. And then I transferred to Ohio State. Oh, okay. So I was a student at Ohio State, and my wife was working. Okay. Now, where did you guys live? Uh, on campus. You did live on campus. Oh, yeah. And were you studying the same thing, business administration? Yes. Marketing? Yeah. Okay. Now, once you graduated, what did you do? Um, I was looking for a job. I was going <laughs> to go anywhere, so I got a job. I don't even remember what kind of job I got, but I don't know. I remember, I, yeah, I got a job, and I was working full-time, and my wife was working, and we're doing okay. Was that a weird transition going from the college life to a career life for you or not really? Extremely weird. Okay. The whole thing was weird. I was living a different life. I was Yeah. Like, I realized from a young time from a young age that in order for me to survive here in the States, I was it was me and the girl. Uh-huh. I had to accept her ways because my ways were a lot different, a lot different. Culturally speaking? Culturally, yeah. Okay. So I don't know how this is going to sound, but in my culture, you expect the wife to cook for you in the morning, to cook for you lunch, to cook for you for get dinner, to have everything washed, to wash your laundry, to do yeah. all that stuff. And, and that usually happened. Yeah. 
So that doesn't happen in America, of course. Right. You know that. I do know married. that. <laughs> I have been married for a few yeah. years. I know that to be true. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I had to accept <laughs> all these different things. So, And that's why I think that helped me. That's how our marriage survived. I think that's one. one. And of course, yeah. believe in faith. Yeah. So, so culturally, there was a lot to yeah. kind of get used to. That. I, I can't imagine being married. Okay, how old would you have been? Would you have been 22 when you got married? Yeah. So you're May. you're married at 22. Is she older or younger than you? She's a year older. She was 23. So you guys are super young in yeah. college, getting married. There's cultural differences too. Yeah. And you're, and you're still together. Yeah. To this day. To this day. How many years have you guys been married? 40, 40 years. So what are you? What what advice would you give to a young fella <laughs> getting married? Uh, you know, marriage is a two way street. Mm-hmm. It's not just love. I mean, love is there, of course, but it's understanding. It's in seeing it from their point of view, loving what they do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love is love, you know. I love Pat very much. To be honest with you, yeah. I really love Pat. I yeah, know, she was a very nice girl. Yeah, still is. Yeah, <laughs> Kim and I got married pretty young. Twenty five. I was twenty five. She was twenty one. Yeah. Apparently, wow. I liked the younger ladies at the time. <laughs> um, but I just I remember I can remember the going because I was I was. Fresh out of college when we got married, so I was also into my first part of my career, which the sh- the shock of going from school life, studying everything to like a nine to five, yeah. boring or weird. Yeah, it was just very weird. It's yeah. just it's a, it's a different expectation, different things, and you're not thinking. You know, when you're in college, you're like, oh, I'm in three weeks. I have a finals. Yeah. Then I'm on to this next class. Once I'm done with these classes, then I'll I'll have the summer off, and then I'll start the next classes. So it's very short. And all of a sudden, you go into like your <clears throat> your your adult life, and then it's like there's no more of those short milestones. So like you're looking and thinking psychologically for like a there's just a, a long stretch yeah. ahead of you. I think that's so that was weird for me. I realized that. I remember thinking, my gosh, I can't spend 40 years in this job. There's no way. That's why right. I changed a lot of jobs because I could not see myself being there for 20, 30 years. Yeah. So what was, I mean, how did you, how did you, like you figure that out? Like, okay, I don't want to do this for a long term. Then would you just start looking? Yeah. Sometimes, well, I learned that if you leave a job without having a job, it's not good. Correct. Yep. It puts a strain on the family's finances. So, so you learned, learned that through going through that's it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So I, I only did that once, and then after that, I learned that you have to have a job to be looking for another job. Yes, that's that that's helped. good. That's really good advice. Yeah, I know. I, I remember very similarly because I started off. I was a I was a youth director at a church. Yeah, I did that part time, <clears> then I did it one year full time, and it wasn't a good fit for me. Uh-huh. I basically had no business doing that. There were aspects of it that were fine, but it just wasn't good for me at mm-hmm. my age to be having that level of responsibility. So from that to a call center at a financial institution. Then I was a personal banker for a while, and then I worked in a different area of a bank, and then I eventually got into a marketing job where I am at now, which I love. That's great. So, like, how many different types of, I don't know, industries did you go, or did you kind of stay in the same industry? No, I think I I went different places. Like, I was, uh, I worked at Seven <laughs> Eleven. Really? <laughs> yeah. Or or Ohio. Yeah. I did those jobs there. I worked at call center. Uh, then when I got in the insurance business, I think I found my Your niche. niche. Because I didn't mind talking to people on the phone. Mm-hmm. I used to say I have my, my talk show. I'm on, the, I'm on a call center talking to people. <laughs> I can me. see that. That's awesome. That's <laughs> I enjoyed awesome. that. I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I was with my for a long time. And I had a, a job that I loved for eight years. Doing? That's for eight years. I was a field sales trainer. 
They, wow. They gave me a car. I was working from home. They gave me a credit card, a gas card, and I just had to go and meet with the sales managers. And my job was to help train their agents and their staff. So this I is agents it. in the field for yeah, yeah. Wow. I loved it. I loved it. My wife used to call it the I have a working vacation job. She said, <laughs> working vacation. I could see you being really good on a phone on, on calls. Well, I know, still are. <laughs> you still are. You yeah. still are. No, I can see you having a big personality on I enjoy that because I went through it and I remember sometimes when people called they were angry. Oh yeah. And I remember saying, Well, I'm here to help you. What can I do to help you? I understand how you feel, but my job here is to help you. Tell me what can I do to help you? They're like, George, I have nothing against you, honey, right away. Yeah, it's, it switches, <laughs> so and they realize you're on their side. Lowering the pressure, they, yeah. the, the, the stress of the situation. That's yeah. great. George. That's good. Yeah, the good de-escalation <laughs> techniques. Yeah, yeah excellent. Now let's... So, so all the different jobs, and so that's where you kind of found your niche was in the field sales area. Is that kind yeah. of where you stayed, or did you make more moves after that? I st- well, I stayed there for 80 years, but the job was, came to an end was forced out of that job. So Got it. I cried for that job for two, three years. I bet. I was like, my son even got tired of hearing me complain about the job. He's like, <laughs> Dad, move on. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> How old was your son at the time? Uh, like tonight, let's see, 2016, uh, 26 maybe. So yeah, he was an adult at this yeah, point. He yeah. He's tired. He's tired of hearing about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when this happened because we were already in our life. At that time, we already known each other and everything. And I remember... Yeah. And, uh, but I can see that. I can see that, you know, we come from a culture, and I think there's similarities in our culture. You know, like my pa- my dad, you know, loved what he was doing. And so when he lost his job and he was 54, it devastated him. Because yeah. it wasn't because he was worshiping the job. It's because their culture and European culture is... It's important to have a good job, right? You know, it's it's important. You gotta support your family, etc. So when that's taken away, it yeah. has a psychological impact. Hundred you know? well, percent. That's part of your like role. Role, right? Yeah. And so when George, I remember he he experienced that, and you know we all kind of huddled with him and prayed for him and yeah. prayed for him, and Appreciate and obviously that. things turned out all right. I mean, yeah. because God does do that. Yeah. But it is still you feel that oh now what. You yeah, know, it's like I was really liking this, and it's no longer available. So, where am I going next? What am I doing next? Yeah, so I mean, so, ha- talk us through some of that. Like, what was that like working through that? One thing I'll say is that yeah, I mean that was hard, but also I always wanted as a as a father to pass that on to my children because mm. you see that you mentioned cultures, we have that. Like my father was a police officer for thirty years in Greece. Really? My, yeah. My brothers was a police officer. My my nephew's a police officer. I had two, three other cousins police officers. So it seemed like it was passed on. It was like, really? hey, become a police officer. I was I was the rebel who did not become one. <laughs> but when I got here, I had that strong like, desire to. I mean, my son Daniel and Victoria, and my daughter Victoria, they will tell you that I pushed a lot about insurance. Yeah, because that was my thing. That's what I knew. That's what I enjoyed. I used to say, "Hey, you could get a designation in insurance fields like getting a master's degree without even going to college." Yeah, because you could get like a CLU, CPCU designations. Mm-hmm. Yep. All you need is to be eighteen years old and have graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you have job. You have basically a job. You have a life. designation next to your name that makes it looks good. Yeah. So, like, when you have a signa- when you have your email signature, there's a little thing yeah. in there. Yeah. You and you and all these things next to your name that looks good in the insurance world. Yes, and yeah, in in the world. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a fascinating thing about other 
cultures is is the legacy that you try to build a legacy and then there's a legacy for you to pass on to your kids so how, how did that work out with your kids anybody end up insurance they both they both had insurance jobs for a while really they didn't last long but they weren't there they tried it they did try it out yeah victoria became an insurance underwriter she was there for a year and then she didn't like it anymore but and also my son daniel she worked for insurance call center Yep. After a year or two, he didn't like that either, but still. Don't blame him. <laughs> anyway, but she says that they've heard insurance from their dad from day one. Yeah. <laughs> they came out talking insurance quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they were born. Yeah. Well, That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I did nine months in a call center. Uh-huh. What I, was I, like? I, well, it was like you said, you get one minute you're getting an angry phone call. The next minute you're getting a call somebody that doesn't understand how to sign into their their account online yeah. and you're trying to walk them through resetting a password. Yeah. And then the next minute you're talking to them about like, Oh, you have all this money sitting in a savings account. It's not giving you any interest. How about you put it over here in a different account? Open mm-hmm. this account. It'll give you 1.9%. And then there's a bunch of laws and rules, which you can oh, probably yeah. attest to in the Not insurance true. world where as a person, or as, I wasn't even a personal banker at the time. I was a call center rep. So you're not allowed to talk about certain things because you don't have the license. You know what I mean? So if somebody wants to ask you what certain rates are for like a retirement thing, you can't talk about it. Like I can give, I can send you over to somebody. So it was good training, I think, because you literally one minute you're, you're answering phone calls about, you don't know what. And so you got to be adaptable, ready, ready to, ready to talk about any kind of a thing. You got to be ready to, like you said, deescalate if you can. Absolutely. Had a lot of people calling (laughs) angry about overdraft fees. Don't overdraft. Yeah. <laughs> it's a simple solution. Lesson number one. Hey, speaking of that, I think I've worked for them before in the same role. Really? I've done that for a while. You did? Yeah. Yeah, because that's where I was. And also, I was, I was a telephone as well for, for some time. Oh, you did? On Henderson Road. Henderson. So I was a personal banker at the Lane Avenue ah, office see? for a while. That was wild. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, small it is world. cool. Small Very world. small world. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's interesting. I, my dad, he was in remodeling growing up. And so when I was really young, he was working like 14, 16 hour days, hard labor. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to no. do that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's one reason that one of the reasons that I decided to go to college, but I went to college to become a pilot. That didn't work out. A pilot, really? Mm-hmm. I think you chose well. To, I mean, as much as the glamour of mm-hmm. that. Uh, they don't pay very well. And it's very stressful, and then with COVID, it just created so much chaos in that industry. So oh I think yeah, you followed God's will in a different direction. I unintentionally found, yeah. followed. It his worked will. out good. It's true. <laughs> I was quite bitter about it for several yeah. years, but I don't think I'd. I, there's a good chance I wouldn't be married to oh, Kim right. if if I had been a pilot traveling all over the place. Yeah. I don't. I don't even think we would have. Yeah, probably gotten together. So, so it's funny looking back, like all oh, your little life decisions, and yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. when you don't have a choice and you just it has to happen to you, like your thing. Yeah, and then having to navigate and walk through it. So tell me, a little, I want to get get a little bit more into that with you. So like this job that was this great job, suddenly it's not there. Tell me more about how you got through that period of of life. Well, I was making a very good salary. I had all these good benefits, and all of a sudden, I have nothing. So completely dried up. Down? Did they give you another job, or did they? They gave me. Uh, they gave me sixty days. Oh. And I tried to apply to different jobs, and I was not getting any of those jobs. But they also gave me severance pay, which was able. It was good severance pay. Okay. Like fourteen thousand, something like that, which was 
okay to last me for a while. Yeah. And then I had contacts. I have worked for the agents. And then next thing I know, this agent is downtown is offering me a job. So Wow. So it was, I mean, it worked out. And to be honest, I didn't really like the lady very much, the agent, but I loved the job. Okay. Yes. Have you ever been there where you, you don't like the manager, but you like the job? I don't mm. know. You don't like the owner? I've experienced it before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I was like, the job would have been great if Sylvia wasn't there, but she was there. Yeah. <laughs> One of those. You know, that's an interesting point, George, because most people associate their, I guess, uh, morale or attitude at work very much to who you work for. Right? Yes. So... Yeah. Uh, to be able to disconnect those and be successful, that actually <laughs> takes a lot because, yes. you know, if I have to go eight hours to work for somebody that starts making my life miserable, it's hard. Uh, you know, it's going to be very hard to actually enjoy what I'm doing because I'll be so, I would think I'd be so focused on just dealing with that individual right? and dealing with their, uh, but yeah, I can see, yeah, Personally, I have that. I mean, I, I have a good manager, no problem there. But I deal with the people in the company. Not, they're not my managers, the people I interact with. Some yep. of them. Really hard to deal with. Very hard. Let's just say if they never show up or work again, it would be a good thing for me. Yeah. But that's very selfish, too. But but they, I still like what I do. It's just sometimes there's days when I'm in, I'm just had enough of this yeah yeah the people that you work with i think are almost like one of the biggest factors in how your day-to-day work is and it's something you can't you can't really control and well you can control it to a certain extent but you don't know it when you agree to a job it's not like you get to interview the people (laughs) that you're working with That'd I mean, you get a few, but and even in an interview, you don't get the real story. Right. You get the best face, right? I right. mean, nobody's going to come in there and say, yeah, you know, I'm going to make your life miserable when yeah. you're in here. Right. <laughs> it's like, it was, I, I did an interview at a company. I never ended up at a job there, but I remember walking out and, and somebody like knew that that's what I was doing. And they like kind of said under their breath, like, whatever you do, don't end up here. Like at the company as a whole, like, don't oh, do wow. it. Oh, wow. Don't accept. If they offer you, don't accept. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Good to know. I didn't get offered that job, so I didn't. It worked out. That didn't happen. <laughs> so now looking back, though, I know that some things that I wasn't able to follow well, like uh, I could have taken a step back. I should have reassessed the situation. Mm. I could have applied for unemployment. I could have done something else. I could have uh, upped my uh, designations. I don't know that I have. I could have gotten more or something, but I wasn't thinking at that level. I was like, well, that's that's an interesting thing that you bring up because it's it, if I understand you correctly, it's hard to, I think, especially if you have a job that's really good and it's been yeah. going for a while, I think it's hard to think outside of that. Yeah. Especially if you have your own family and you have, you're, you're paying your bills, you're doing your thing, you're living your life because hopefully in a situation, your job isn't your all-encompassing thing. Like you have a lot yeah. of other interesting things going on. So I can't imagine the feeling of, by the way, you have 60 days. I was refusing to accept that it's happening. During the 60 days. Yeah. I remember they said, okay, now it's 45 days out. You got to drop your car. I'm like, what? My car? That really hit me. The car that you had. Yeah. I had the car. I have four or five cars in the last eight years I worked there. Every so many miles, they gave me a brand new car. Oh, (laughs) yeah, that's a perk. And then they say, well, such a sad day, you got to drop the car off. I'm like, what? That's my car. Can I buy it? No, you cannot. Wow. So it was like. And then I started things that was hitting me, like, okay, I guess I'm losing this job. Wow. And then I cried like a baby, or not cried, but, you know, I had to deal with it for years, two, three years later. Yeah. Like, but, I mean, how did you work through that then? 
Was so it just time? <laughs> You're like, I still have it. <laughs> it was hard to go through that. It was very hard to accept the fact that, hey, I'm no longer the, the guy who, I'm no longer Mr. Mine because as far as I, I even had the, the vehicle, the company car that had my logo on it. Yeah. So right. I'm this, I'm Mr. White, I'm the man. Yeah. And now I'm not. And now I don't have the car, I have nothing, I don't have a job. And I'm oh. no longer watching why they, they let me go. They gave me pay, but who cares, okay? Well, right. Yeah, well, there's so much more than just the pay in a situation like that. However, I've been back to twice. You have gone back. You've yeah. been able to go back. Well, I checked with one of the HR persons. I said, well, even though I got the severance pay, can they rehire me? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right. Sweet. So I went back. I've been back a couple of times. Okay. Now, this time, I went back as a contractor, and after a year, they hired me as a full-time one employee. But, I mean, this... Last week was my one year there as a full-time employee. Really? Yeah. Back there. So, you know. Full circle. I love to my. <laughs> full They're circle. They're on your side. Yeah, my side. <laughs> Look at you, commercial guy. That's good marketing right yeah. there. Just drop that yeah, in. I don't know. I was just, I was like, it's like my spouse. She abuses me, but I still keep going back at her. Yeah. <laughs> Do we need to talk? <laughs> No, I'm <laughs> Offline? Is there more there? Maybe no. we should maybe we should stop recording right no, now. No, no, no. Anyway, no, that's good. That's that's amazing. Can you can you tell me a little bit more about just the differences? So you spent 20 years in Greece. Their culture has to be quite different than our own. So, like, what? Tell me more about what it's like to grow up in Greece. What's school life like? What? What's your social life like? Uh, Let's take you all the way back to the age uh, to ancient antiquity. Oh, Greece, yeah. Georgian well, Greece. Well, it's more family oriented, I guess, mm-hmm. a lot more than here. Mm-hmm. It's like I remember cousins, uncles, aunts, aunts. Uh, to be honest, you know, I remember going to the elementary school. High school is nothing like here. I had to take an exam from the elementary school to the first. From sixth grade to seventh grade, you had to take the test. Okay. I took the test, barely passed the test, then I went seventh, eighth, all the way through. So it's like a passing test. Yeah. You got to pass it to get into seventh grade. Yeah. That's what I remember. I remember, and then I remember my dad taking me on a little motorcycle, a police motorcycle, from the little village we were living into the city to go take the test. Wow. Because we were living in Lyle at the time. Was it a scooter, motorcycle? It It was like a police... Yeah, you know, you know, back in in the fifties or forties, right. little police uh-huh. officer, yeah, police car, police uh, scooters, whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's another question I want to ask. What was it like for a police officer in Greece? It was very quiet. Mm. <laughs> it was very much. I mean, there was no crime going on. Nothing. Very quiet. I do like one thing though. They this, the people respected the police officer. Yeah, I remember the the butcher would give us more more meat than everybody else. Really, my dad would order like one or two pounds per week. Like we ate that on a Sunday. Wow, so we didn't eat meat during the week, just Sunday only. But I remember, I remember when I would open the, I would unwrap the the package. Uh-huh. I had a little bit more extra packages, extra for Mister Lukumis, the police officer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what, what's is there a reason for only eating? Yeah, meat I guess on they they expected that you would be kinder, you not give him. You're not, um, I don't know, fines. So, Got it. No, but I mean, I mean, like, oh, yeah. sorry, you go ahead. No, I think you were going to ask, uh, were you, was it cost of living that restricted, right. not eating meat during the yeah. week, or just a lifestyle? Uh, that's a good question. I would say maybe a little bit of both. Okay. I don't remember having a lot of money. I mean, I remember my dad making like 5,000 drachmas per month. Wow. And at the time, 
the, dra- the drachma it took like 300, do- 300 drachmas to make a dollar. Oh. Wow. So, so, so 300 drachma? Drachmas, yeah. Drachmas. To make one dollar. Yeah. Okay. So you still making very much money on a thing. So I don't know if it was the money, but but we didn't eat. And was, it, uh, was it like a big deal, though? Like, did you look forward to Sundays or was oh, it anything like that? Oh, yeah. Sunday okay. was amazing. And then especially the, the holidays where they roasted lambs and different yeah. food. It was amazing. And then when we had family over, they brought the guys different foods. It's mm-hmm. like, ah. Uh, or you had to look forward to the food, like for Easter, for right. Christmas, for Christmas and all that stuff. Holidays, you look forward to the meals. Yeah, that's very similar See? culturally because... For different reasons, in Romania, we didn't have a lot of meat. It's because yeah. they just didn't want to give out meat to people, even yeah. if you could afford it. Yeah. So, yeah, similar diet of, you know, when you get meat, it was a celebration. Yeah, you know? it's and a then, big event. To George's point, you know, holidays like Easter, and Christmas, New Year's, and yeah. a couple of birthdays, they were big things because people, the family, you know, largest scale family comes together and they, everybody brings something. Yeah. And it's good. You know, it's all homemade. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, you know, you don't buy a lot of stuff because you couldn't find it. Yeah. So, you know, cakes were homemade. You know, the, the, everything was homemade. Everything. Right? You know, it's yeah. and, uh, the lamb. They would, ro- we did a lot of lamb cooking yeah. around the holidays. Too. Same here. And, it, you know, it was, it was fun. That's something that I, I think as generations, like, you know, our kids and all that, they, they kind of move away from that a bit. Yeah. yeah. But there's still a certain, and I think Greeks, Romanians, Italians, certain, they still try to hold on to that, which I think it's a good thing. You know, and other people from, you know, Eastern Europe too, or, or Spanish too, from Spain, they, yeah. they like that. It's, it's more than just food. It's a, it's a cultural event for the right. family, within the family. And so, yeah, he's right. I mean, you know, we laugh about it because, you know, we're, like I said, we're pretty good friends and we talk about that atmosphere. <laughs> And yeah. then we get hungry because we're still alive. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, I got to go eat now, man. That's right. <laughs> sometimes you see the same thing here. You go, sometimes, I guess, when you have a business deal, mm-hmm. you have to sit down and have a meal first. Yes, correct. So that's the idea. That's where right. it comes from, I think, yeah. from our yeah. culture, that everything starts with a meal. You have to have a meal, you talk, and then you make a business like a yes. decision based on the meal. It's have. easier to get a yes <laughs> when somebody has a full belly. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think. That's really fascinating. So... um, what? How interested have your kids been in Greece? That's a good point you brought up because I remember some, from a long time I wanted to make sure that I I show them that I show them Greece. Yeah. Um, so in two thousand, when uh, Danny was like ten, Victoria was five, we decided to go to Greece. Mm-hmm. And then when I had my mom come over here too, the same thing. They she didn't speak English, so she only spoke uh, Greek. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they learned Greek, but they were able to understand mm-hmm. her. And also, I think that my kids feel proud when they say I'm Greek. My dad is Greek. I've, like, I like to hear that. That is cool. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Did they learn Greece? Greek? Um, yes and no. They they understand a lot of words. I didn't send them to any school to learn more, but they understand a lot of stuff. So you would you would speak in Greek at, yeah, at sometimes. your sometimes. Yeah. Like my son, Dan knows all the bad words in Greek. That's my. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, happens. that happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he knows all those bad words, and it's my fault, of course. My <laughs> wife points that out all the time. That yeah. I taught him bad words, but anyway, so so we'll go to Greece, and he he loved the families there, and it seems like they knew English or something, or they the kids. I mean, when we went there the first time in two thousand, seems like the kids got along very well. 
Mm-hmm. And I, to be honest with you, I don't even know what language they spoke to each other, but they that, they did very so well. So like mm-hmm. cousins and yeah. everything. That's yeah. great. That that's that's amazing. I get, I remember we did a I did a trip to Europe. We wanted to go to Greece. We were never able to make it. But I remember just researching the different countries. Uh-huh. The thing about Greece was like when you go there, you're going to get really good food portions. Oh yeah, portions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Really good food, and the portions will be really good. Yeah. So I was always sad that I didn't make it. We were going to take. Uh, we were going to go down. We were going to travel down to southern Italy and then take a ferry. It was like uh-huh. an eight hour, I think, ferry ride, maybe longer. To a, to a Greek island, and we never did that. That's where I lived. Yeah. Across from there. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Uh, in a Brindisi, I think, is, is the city called. Could be. Well, you Brindisi, would know. Brindisi from southern Italy, across. Comes across, across, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, so we worked with a travel agent. He, he outlined everything. I was like, that sounds amazing. But we just never ended up having enough time because we had to go to a bunch of other places. Yeah. But so that was a big regret because I mean I loved going to Rome to see all what what are the, what are the ruins like in Greece these days? Do you guys still have a bunch of ruins? Of course, the, only, the place everybody goes to is the Acropolis or sure. the Parthenon. Everybody goes there, right? And then we have like other places like the amphitheaters. Uh-huh. One thing I know is that you can go to the very top of the amphitheater and somebody drops a little painting down and you can hear the sound. Uh, I have heard that. Yeah, makes, you hear the little some not can hear too, but you can hear the sound. Yeah, so which is pretty cool. Yeah, and so if like you're talking. In yeah. that spot, and I'm all the way up there. I can, you can hear, hear you, yeah. which is wild. Yeah, that's I love crazy. that how they how they have the technology mm-hmm. to do that, or the understanding of how to do that. Yeah, engineering or whatever engineering, you call whatever, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's awesome. So, how long did it take you to get comfortable? Well, how, how, tell me, tell me a little bit more about just going for cuz you were tw- you were younger what how old were you I when you got here I was 15 when I came Oh yeah here. so you I in my head you were younger even than that but so that that you described a fascinating like adapting into life in America but you were in New York City so yeah. there was all the pockets of the different cultures and everything you went to school you met all these different people so like what was it like for you to like come here be going to college you mentioned you'd be listening to a radio and you'd only catch like the last couple words that they said so tell me more about like just the journey of like learning the language and, like, what that was like. I would say it was very hard. Um, I do remember because we used to love to walk, and I remember for Finley College walking, and people would beep their horns and make fun of us or something. I don't know why. It just seemed like they were. And at the time, it was, like, 1980, uh-huh. the Iranian thing was going on, and there were some Iranian oh. students who wanted to get close to us and say they're Greeks instead of Iranians. I Got it. College. I remember that part. Sure. So I, I don't know why, but some of the people, when they drove by with their vehicles and they saw a bunch of foreign Greeks, or foreigners walking around, they beat their horns. I don't know if they were girls or something. or just thought it was weird that we like to walk. Yeah. You know, in America, yeah. you don't walk. You take a, a car everywhere. Yeah, you take a car everywhere. So from the Finley College to campus to walk downtown Finley, we walked. Uh-huh. It was amazing. It was beautiful. But I didn't see anybody else walking except Greek guys and <laughs> Albanian guys or whatever guys walking the, the streets. So, so like, learning the language took some time, and then the people weren't yeah. necessarily all that accepting. That's true. But the fact that I met Pat, my wife Patricia, yeah. Pat, that was very helpful to me. She's really helping with the language, I think. I remember we'd go order somewhere, we'd go eat somewhere, and be like, I can't order, you order for me. I just want a, a hamburger. And she would do the ordering until I got comfortable saying, oh, let me order. How long was that process? Uh, about six months to a year, actually. Six, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that is amazing that you guys met and that i mean it sounds to me like when you guys met like you guys were like we bonded immediately right yeah immediate bond i met i met pat in august of 1980 i had been here only two months wow that so quick she was my like 
my connection to this new country. Yeah, she was like a lightning rod for you. That's right. Yeah, the glue. Because how? When did you and your wife meet? Oh, after yeah. I moved to Columbus, Ohio. So it was quite. It was, a while. It was yeah. way off. I mean, we future. got married when I was. Uh, I turned twenty nine. Okay. So you were baby. So, you were <laughs> so and then Debbie's six months older than me. But yeah, I mean, we, uh, you know, I was already done with college and I came to Ohio f- to work. Yeah. For American Electric Power. So that's how I came here. And that's how I met Debbie. I gotcha. Through, okay. Uh, friends of ours uh, who now, I mean, they've been married too, but they introduced us. So it was through a guy that I work with and a gal that Debbie was working with at that time. So that's um, awesome. But yeah, it's it was a little different than him. Interesting enough, you mentioned radio. Uh-huh. To me, it was television. I mean, you know, I learned I didn't speak English yeah. uh, at all. Very little, like hello, goodbye kind of thing. And, you know, going into high school, uh, watching a lot of TV, that's how you learn English. That's <laughs> game how shows. you absorb the language. Of game shows and sitcoms. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Like you're hearing it in every day, and then you start to piece together yeah, the words. But because at home, you know, we still spoke Romanian, and uh, yep, uh, so even with relatives that we had here, uh, I did have relatives here. I like that's it. good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, at home it was Romanian. Uh, but you know, obviously school, and you know, then obviously work later. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, to me, tra- actually, it was interesting. New York was a little bit of a shell shock. <laughs> sure. But, but at the same time, I think it helped me adapt pretty quickly to the U.S. because I figured that was kind of the representative. Yeah. And then I came to Ohio, I realized it wasn't the representative. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> it's like, they have cows here next to their road. <laughs> and cornfields. Cornfields, I'm like. Lots of cornfields. We didn't see any cows in New York. Yeah, there's a massive difference between New York City and... <laughs> Especially this is back in... 1985, you know, right. Obviously now Columbus is a very modern and sophisticated city, but at the time it didn't feel like that. Oh, I grew up here. It was not sophisticated. (laughs) I remember watching, watching television and Uh I remember thinking, Oh, I wish they had some titles in Greek. Please put some titles in Greek. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's, that's the interesting thing to me about, yeah, that's the interesting thing to me about, you know, going to another country is like, Uh Not only do you have to learn a language, which is a giant undertaking, it's the cultural stuff. Yeah. And then if you move to a new location that's as different as Ohio and New York City, it's almost like, oh, shell shock number two. Yeah, Yeah, you got to start over. Yeah, it was almost starting over because in New York, I fit in pretty easily. Yeah. You know, once I kind of got comfortable, you know, it's a lot of immigrants, you know, big metropolitan. (laughs) Here, I definitely stood out again because like, oh, you have an accent. Yeah. Oh, you have an accent from Europe. It's foreign, but you also sound like a New Yorker. So the double whammy. Because <laughs> they don't like New Yorkers for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Just, yeah, so. that's 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 interesting. So it was like, okay, here we so, go again. Yeah. So I can relate with that. When I came, when we came here to Ohio to to Columbus, Ohio, in 1982, uh-huh. everybody thought I was I was Hispanic. Sure. And that made me to want to learn Spanish. So it'd be like, hey, see, si. I would say something and go, see, si. I go, hey, yo no hablo español, mi país es Grecia. They'd be like, what? I said, I said, I speak Spanish, my country is Greece. That's amazing. <laughs> That's was pretty it, good. Why was it, do you think, that they mistook you? And I don't know. Attributed. Maybe my accent, maybe accent. my skin, dark skin, sure, dark skin, yeah. maybe, sure. I don't know. They thought, uh, they assumed right away, I had to be Mexican. I'm like, I'm not Mexican, please. <laughs> oh, come so on, what do you because have of that. <laughs> 
What? I'm kidding. Because of that, I thought, I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to be able to talk back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. That, I mean, that's interesting. When I was in France, I was in Paris, France, and three times I got approached by people, and they just started speaking Spanish to me. One of them was definitely a family from Latin America. So, well, I should just say somewhere Central or South America, almost certainly. The other one I didn't know for sure, but I assumed was from Spain. And it was the younger ones in the group that like figured out pretty quick because I didn't understand what was going on. But I had my hair was dyed black at the time, and I think dyed I was black. I think mm-hmm. I was tan. So they must have just again assumed. Okay. And Latino. I felt so bad. Latino. I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't I don't speak what you're speaking. Yeah, because I only had two years of high yeah. school Spanish under my belt at that point. But it happens nothing. when you travel. I mean, yeah. you know, I was especially here in Ohio. Definitely thought I would. I was labeled a foreign person. You know, not. A local. Yeah. And I remember one time uh, uh, on the elevator at work, this is at AEP, and there are these two ladies and talking, and they must have thought, they were convinced I was Jewish. I mean, from Israel. Okay. And I'm like, no, but, but then, because they just, I can tell they were just like, this guy's lying. He is from there, but he, you know, and maybe, maybe I don't know whether it was prejudice or whatever. But when I left the elevator, I said, Shalom. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Shalom. Peace. Shalom. That's Peace. what that means, right? Yeah. Peace. Yeah. It's, Hello. it's Hello. you know, and again, I, I think culturally, I think that happens here. And, but, you know, it's still, it's a great place. You know, it's, I think we both can yeah. provide testimony that um, this country has given us opportunities to, that, I don't think I would have. I definitely know I wouldn't have had it in Romania, especially sure. under communism. Right. And then after that, who knows what that would look like because, you know, they had so much after the revolution and it took up so long to get back on their feet. So, yep. so yeah, this definitely was where God wanted me to be. <laughs> so yeah, Clearly, yeah. And speaking of that, one thing I wanted to add is this, is that some people think that because we're, I'm immigrant, I must be a Democrat. I must have the democratic values. I'm sorry to disappoint them. I do not. You don't. I have conservative Christian values. And yes, I'm an immigrant. And the first time in my life I heard the word immigrant is my, for my children. They came home one day from school and they said, Dad, they told us today at school that you're an immigrant. I'm like, I'm not an immigrant. I'm a citizen. What are you talking about? That's the first time that you heard the word immigrant? No, but I didn't hear my own kids call me an immigrant. Oh, okay. So the kids come home and say, Dad... You're an immigrant. I'm like, no, I'm not an immigrant. I always assume that immigrant is somebody who comes to America to work. Sure. I was like, I came to America to go to school. Yeah. I'm not an immigrant. I'm an educated immigrant, or I don't know what I am. But anyway, it sounded weird. Yeah, that that makes sense. What what was the? Did you become a citizen when you and Patricia got married? Well, a few years later, like in 1986, in Cincinnati, Ohio, I was sworn in a U.S. citizen. So what was that process like for you? Well, before that, we were in Reno, Nevada, and I had to go through some uh, places like that in Reno, Nevada. Uh-huh. And I remember the judge there saying, because I don't know what were the people that he was talking to before. He said, he, I never heard anybody speaking so well English as you do. So I took that like, oh, really? Huh. Who's, who's going through the citizenship process here? But anyway, so it was like a, I had to take a test. I had to show that I know the American history and things like that. Right. Yeah, and so we both went through yeah, that. you went through that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> what was it like once you were done? Did it feel different? Were you excited? Was it? Oh yeah. Was it was it annoying because you had to go through the process? A little bit, but uh, at the time I was a student, so learning was not a big deal. It was just what you're doing. I'm like, I can pass the test. Give me the test. <laughs> I see. 
it was easy. Yeah. But then I remember like Pat, uh, Pat's parents and relatives were excited. Yeah. Because George was going to become a U.S. citizen. Like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Big deal. I mean, you your interesting that when you go back and, you know, it's, they look to us as, you guys are Americans. You know, it's like, exactly. it's almost a little bit of respect, right? Like when you go to Romania. You're not really no longer, even though I'm obviously, you know, Romanian yeah. roots, not really a Romanian anymore. You're now an American. And then here, yeah. you're an immigrant. I can relate to that too. <laughs> I don't belong anywhere. <laughs> it's like, I'm it. so lost now. I feel like I feel the same way. The, same yeah. way. the moment we cross the border, or the moment I land in, in Greece and mm-hmm. I get off the plane, here comes the American. They say, "I will go American where?" <laughs> but they're, they're pointing at me. I'm the American. Right. Even my own my own brothers, my father, we say, "My son is an American." I was like, "That's not a way." When I heard my dad say that, yeah, that's, I that's, thought, that's what are you strange. Saying, dad, my son is an American. But like I saying, think it's a matter. Of, it's it's for them. It's a sense of pride, pride that yes, you have yes. a family member now an that American. is an American. Right. Yeah. yeah, as opposed to here, you guys are immigrants, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, nah, but that's I mean, silly. I've heard the same thing. You know, immigrant. I, honestly, I'm just very thankful that you know I was offered the opportunity to become a citizen. I'm very happy to. I mean, I'm. I've never taken that personally. I don't think you have, George. No. I've never taken it for granted. I, yeah. it, to me, it means a lot. When I take out that passport to travel outside the U.S., right, and, yeah, and I look at it and it says United States of America and citizen of, and it's like I have a sense of pride. Right. When I come home and you know you go through immigration yes. and, and customs say welcome to the United States, and there's the line for the people who are not U.S. citizens, oh, and right. then there's yeah. the line. I am. You don't understand how thankful I am that I'm going through that line. I'm yeah, I'm coming home. Yes. Yeah. This is where home is. That is, that's actually very true. I, my, the few times that I've traveled overseas, George and I, we did a trip yes, we did. to Honduras. Honduras in 1999. Mike. Yes. Well, I was young. I was a young buck, and oh, we were going you? there for Hurricane Mitch release yes. to help build oh, houses. Wow. And that's, that's right, 99. Yeah. 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 yeah I was in 18. February, 18. I was going to say, yeah. February, to be well, no, if it was in 1999 in February, I wasn't even 18 yet. I was wow. 17 because I turned 18. You, your, your brother, and your, your mm-hmm. dad, right? Yep. The three of you. So we went down there to help build yeah. the houses in the villages down there. Yeah. And I remember I had never seen anything like that. We're just driving along, and there's people that don't have homes. No, they are yeah. basically living in tents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's farmers that are, like, working with their hands, like doing farming with hands, no tractors, none of the, none of the stuff that we have here. Yeah. Very, very big cultural, like, aha moment for me because I'd never seen or witnessed anything like that. That's mm-hmm. the furthest I, I'd ever traveled was that trip. The culture was amazing. I loved the time there. But, yeah, coming back, and because if you remember, um, the, a couple things was, like, shocking to me is, like, you couldn't leave doors open. Doors needed to be locked. Mm-hmm. But some of the places that we went, there were armed guards. Yeah. And it was a residential home. There was a person there that was just the yeah, guard. I remember we visited some guy's very rich guy's home, right? Mm-hmm. And remember it was a wall and then it had a wire at the top of the yes. wall. Like a cement wall with a wire on top. Mm-hmm. And I can I can hear the wall going, I mean the wire going Yeah. It was like yeah. electric yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, so people couldn't climb over. Yeah, so that guy was very well off, but mm-hmm. he was he they were accepting. They were opening their house for us. Big time, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. They had a screen TV, I remember, huge screen TV, stereo system there back in 1999. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's, interesting. That, it yeah. was it was yeah, the, it was it was an amazing amazing trip, eye opening. But what you described, the coming home and like going through the yeah. customs and you show your passport and you go right in, there is a sense of pride and. 
that's I mean, that's the thing is like you get outside the country. Even when I went to Europe for a while, it's not that much different. You know what I mean? The place that we went, which was like <clears throat> Paris and London and Scotland and why well, I said Paris. Um Switzerland. We went to stayed a little while in Switzerland. But anyway, it's there is some culture shock depending on which country you're in, but um being in London, it was everybody speaks your language so that oh, yeah. you don't have to deal with not being able to understand the people there. But still, like coming home, even like infrastructure things. Mm-hmm. Um, the buildings are bigger. The airport is bigger, nicer. Right. Little, tiny little things. Yeah. The cars are bigger. The smoking section isn't the person next to you. <laughs> <laughs> like they're in the smoking. Like there is no smoking there section. There is no smoking in, section. In yeah. Those areas. So people are just like lighting up in the middle of an airport. That was surprising. Um, but anyway, all that to say, like, I got, I did get detained in the London airport. Detained? Yeah, I don't know if that's the right word, but I went through. We were staying. We were staying with my buddy, and my buddy was a British citizen, so he got to go through the, no lines. Mm-hmm. I had to go through customs, and then the lady that was there, she like started asking me some questions, and I couldn't answer them because we were going to be staying with his cousins. So like, where are you going to be staying? I'm like, we're staying with my friend's cousin. She's like, where's your friend? I was like, he's a British citizen. He's already all the way through. She's like, well, how many how many pounds do you have? I was like, I'm I'm like 135 pounds. <laughs> so I'm kidding. No, I was like, I don't have any money because I I only had euros. I hadn't. Right. I had, so I was like, I'm going to go to an ATM and take out you know some some British well, pounds right, and I don't right, have right. money. So she basically was like, I'm not letting you in the country since we don't know where you're going to stay and you don't have any any money. Um, any money. I think they thought, oh, this guy's going to end up like Stealing. being a leech off of the system or whatever. Right. So I had to go into a room with guards. And there was one guy across from me who was coming from Palestine. Oh wow! Who had like left to go see? What he told me is he'd left to go see his girlfriend. They told him not to go. This is a little. This is like a year or two after nine eleven. Mm-hmm. So things were pretty right, intense. Right. They told him not to go. He was a student. He said he went to see his girlfriend anyway and came back. And like they're like, we're not letting you back in the country. Oh, geez. why oh, did wow. you leave the country? So they weren't letting him in. He's like, why are you here? And I was. I explained it to him, and he's like, that's kind of strange. So I got questioned by a guard, and then. This British guy came and went. They went through all my belongings and everything, and they finally like released me into the to the country. That was a long roundabout way of saying coming back home and like handing right. in your passport and right. not having to deal with anything. Like the comment that you made about you see the people that don't have the U.S. Right. citizenship and you realize what a privilege it is yeah. to be a U.S. citizen. Right. It is. And anyway, that was a long tangent. But no, it's it's. I think our experiences, some of them are similar, similar. And, uh, you know, it just makes, I think looking back and, you know, we're still hopefully a few more years to go, right. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a grandparent soon here. Um, I'm already a grandfather, but, um, you know, it's just enriches your life. If you look mm. back with the right perspective, right. There mm. were some really down times and yeah. there were some really up times, but overall that all that just help you, and you know, really enjoy life. You know, overall, is it a jo- is it a life full of joy, or is it just constantly just stress? And and to me personally, it's a life full of joy. Yeah, there were mm-hmm. some tough times, but mm-hmm. you know, and I know I'm talking to George. I mean, I believe you f- feel the same way. I mean, yeah. you know, you you have beautiful family. You know, you you're gonna be a grandpa. You know, it's I'm it's life is good. You know, God blesses people. I mean. You know, it's not going to be always the the aha moments with God. A mm. lot of it is just those small little pieces that He puts in 
a path to make our life uh, joyful. So. Yeah, that's a good way to put that. It add, little bits add up over time, and it exactly. really makes something yeah, very yeah. beautiful. You can't be in a aha moment every 24-7. You're going to end up... You'd explode. With, <laughs> your brain is going to explode. Yeah. So, you know, I agree with that. And one thing I also know in my heart is that if I would never, if I, if I would have never come to the States, I might have never met Jesus. Yeah. That's but interesting. I do know... That, I believe the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I do, do know too. that God was preparing me. I remember walking in the streets of Athens, and someone comes up to me with the with a broken Greek and an accent and said, hey, we're meeting at 7.30. We're having a Bible study at such and such place. Here's the address. Here's the phone mm. number. Please come. And walked away. I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that's, that's strange. That's strange. I couldn't even, he, he didn't talk to me very much, like a minute or so, and then he walked away. Huh. And, I, and now I thought back, I thought, oh, the Lord was preparing me. And then mm-hmm. when I come here and I meet Pat, the first, place, the first place he takes me, or not the first place, but she had a Bible study. We went to a Bible study. I'm like, what is this? And then they uh-huh. prayed about Greece and prayed about Europe, prayed about what's going on. I was like, wow. And then I connected the dots and I thought, wow. wow. The guy in Greece was preparing me for this. Wow. So I'm like, God was seeking out, was seeking me out even before I got here. Did they use the same term then, Bible study? No, he, this guy that he was talking to me, he was, not, he was an American guy maybe, I don't know. But, but okay. he spoke Greek with a foreign accent, with an accent. Yeah, yeah. And then he said, we're having a, I don't know if you call it a Bible study. I, I don't know what he called it, but something okay. that he meant that we're going to have a little... A discussion about God. And then when you were here and Patricia's inviting you to this thing, you put yeah, it all together. I put it all together. I thought, wow, this is what we're doing here. Man, that's wild. <laughs> it was great. I was like, God is preparing us. Preparing and, and, and I actually think that there are different circumstances for different people. Yeah. And I agree with you. I mean, if I would have not come to the U.S., most likely. I mean, I don't know. I can't say no because I, God is huge and u- yeah. infinite, right, in his wisdom. But I think there was a, one of the purposes for me to come here and my family to come here is for us to become believers. Uh, Interesting. Uh, think about that. Because he opened up those doors here. How did that happen for you? For me personally? Yeah. It's through meeting Debbie, actually. Interesting. You know, so and, and, that's a yeah, common thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she, uh, you know, she was grew up Catholic, but, you know, we, she started going to church, starting talking, starting talking to people, starting mm. talking about God, and, mm-hmm. and then meeting people like, you know, I, I, I mentioned in my podcast, uh, meeting this one guy, John Parent, uh, mm-hmm. who was working with me at, at, at the time at America Electric Power. Mm-hmm. He was an engineer, and he was a believer, and he just slowly just kind of, you know, we would have little chats and everything, and, you know, half the time I kind of like, and John, that's good for you, not good for me kind of attitude. Yep. But he made an impact. Yeah. And I I didn't know that until later that all those little pieces, again, for God to say, okay, I want you. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is how I'm showing you how I want you. You know, it's not it wasn't one of those aha moments. It was like a slow growth towards like a, a faith when I knew yeah. that I'm ready for God. Yeah, and you know God's always ready for me, but I'm now ready for Him. Yeah, you know? uh, and it's funny how I ran into John. John actually, many years, eighteen years later, we saw each other again. He was visiting Linworth, and I was an usher at the time. And that's oh, wow. the church that we go yeah. to. And he's walking, and he's looking like Calvary. No, wow. <laughs> oh, he didn't go there because you were there. No, no, no. He was coming to visit the church. He, there was church hop, not hopping, but looking. He and yeah. his family were like looking yeah. for it. And he's looking at me and he's like, Calvo Otaro? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah. And you're ushering. John, John Parrott? 
Yeah. And he goes, I have to be very honest with you. This is the last place I would think I would ever see. <laughs> I say, John, you know, maybe you didn't have the hope. Yeah. But God used you and you know, and I thanked him. I said, yeah. Thanks for taking that time That's when wild. we played we play sports together and talk, you yeah. know, afterwards. And I said, that wasn't wasted, man. So just little thing, little yeah. conversations. Yeah. That you and I had. and I said, you know, I got to thank you because you wow. were part of that journey. And uh, so yeah, so that's how God works things in mysterious ways. Right? Just this yeah. fellow, yeah. whoever he was in the streets, you know, he was probably one of the first seeds. Yeah. You know, so so th- so then you came here and you started going to a Bible. So did you go regularly? What was that like? No, no, I think it was one time Patty invited me to go and and. I guess she said, well, these are her friends, mm-hmm. and we're going to have a little Bible study, and we, and we talk about something, and then she introduced me to them, and I was like, they seem very nice, they seem very loving, I should say, yeah, different than I have never experienced, yeah, and I liked how they prayed. Hmm. I was not used to that. You pray to, to God like you have a personal relationship with God. You say God. So less, less of a formal type formal of a thing type. and more of like a yeah. conversational. Yeah. That was amazing, I think. Yeah. And then when we moved, then a year later, we moved to to Columbus for Finley, Ohio. Mm-hmm. We started going to Zenas because Pat was friends with uh, Melinda Boring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know the name, yeah. And Scott Boring, they're married, and they she knew Melinda, so Melinda invited us to the Zenas church. We went to Zenas mm-hmm. for a few years. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good, too. That was the study of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had the knowledge, too, because in Greece, we took, I mean, the religion is part of the curriculum every year for the 12 years of school you get religion every year mm-hmm. so we had the, I had the knowledge without the faith mm. without the, the yeah so the religion I mean? class that you're taking is specific to like a Christianity yeah it's okay. about the Bible about Jesus the story exactly but then sometimes you realize that even the guy who's teaching the class is not really a believer right they're just saying lessons yeah, yeah. like a history lesson there you go yeah yeah I mean we didn't even have that <laughs> <laughs> well, right. You know, our God was the guy in the picture. Right. <laughs> you know, at least that's a Ceausescu. Uh, huh? Ceausescu was the God, but uh, yeah, but yeah, and, and it there is a journey even here. You know, from here to here is the longest journey. You know, so from your head to yeah, your yeah. I mean, yep. you know, gathering the knowledge is not that difficult. I right. mean, we can read, and curiosity does drive some of that. Mm-hmm. But taking that step of faith, saying okay. I really, what I'm reading, it's true and it's personal to me now. Mm, right. As opposed to, yeah, that sounds like a theology lesson. Excellent. Well, good oh, for you. No, not even that. It's like, yeah, well, sure. I, I believe that. But no, Got but it. it's like, it's like me reading, you know, ancient Rome, you know, like Cicero's writing and say, yeah, I believe what he's writing, but they might have my faith in that now. Mm. It's just, he's talking about what happened. Yeah. As opposed to, this is now personal. Right. And it's for me, yeah. and it's speaking to me, and I want to be in that connection and relationship with the God who put that there for mm-hmm. me. So. That's that's really interesting because, like, my upbringing was obviously completely different. Of than course, yeah. Of your I, mean, upbringing. Yeah, yeah. I was here, yeah, in Columbus. We we grew up in Clintonville, Ohio, which is in Columbus, and I grew up. My parents always went to church. And I grew up in it, and then I and then I kind of like. God and I had a pretty huge disconnect for quite a few years. Really? And I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't want anything to do with Christianity for, for a while. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. It was, it was pretty intense. And then he slowly, kind of like what you described, just very, very, very slowly, very kindly, 
mm-hmm. slowly lined things up and yep. brought me back. It's very different now than, than it was when I was a kid. My faith is, but that that's just fascinating. I mean, that's one thing I love about being able to do this podcast is hear all these different kinds of stories, sure. of people yeah. in their lives. Speaking of stories, I need to say one more thing. Yeah. That my wife and I love your parents, your mom and dad, and of my course. son has looked up to you for years because you were the the group leader. What were you at church? Oh, I was leader? one of the adult volunteers, yeah. yeah, when he was in high school. For years. He always had you, like, way up there. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if only he knew. I, that's, that's I appreciate a, that, yeah. though. Yeah, he was he was a really good kid. I do, I do remember that. Yeah. He's not anymore. No. <laughs> yeah, he is a good kid. He's he's a good man. Yeah, your your children are wonderful. I mean, yeah. you know, of course we know Victoria a little yeah. more than Danny. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I mean, Pat and George have become really good friends. I mean, well, how many years have you guys known each other now? Well, Ooh. probably since I Debbie and I joined in two thousand. Okay, then since then. you were already there. Yeah. So about that time, yeah. and then we start to get to know each other through life groups and things like that. And By the way, people listening, what is a life group? So yeah. if they don't. Yeah. Know. Either of us can say it. I mean, it's basically a gathering of a group of uh, believers at one of the churches. Mm-hmm. You know, so all uh, Christian believers, and we get together on a weekly basis and uh, focus on studying the Bible. Mm-hmm. And we take it in our and groups do different things, but our group. You know, right now we're going through the book, the Gospel of John. So mm-hmm. we're literally taking it verse by verse, mm-hmm. meet every week and open it up for discussion and input. We pray for each other. Occasionally we do social things like lunches and yeah. picnics in the summer. And, and but we're connecting. You know, we, we know what's like if George is, you know, has something that's going on, you know, he'll reach out sometimes directly to me, sometimes to the whole group. Hey, can you pray for me for this? And also sharing praises. It's not always the downside or the right. things, you know, hey, I'm feeling great. Hey, I have no sciatic pain today. You know? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, but you know, your mom just went through that. I talked to her today yeah. and she's like smiling. She goes, that pain went away. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's something to celebrate. Anyway, that's really what a life group, it's called a life group because we're sharing life. Yeah. It's still within the larger church family, but you know there's a level of intimacy in that group about things that are going on and, and in each other's lives and supporting each other and you know celebrating the joyful moments and then being there for each other for things when they're challenging. You know we're all going through yeah. uh, parents. You know George's mother-in-law is not. She's probably you can probably explain it a lot better. Than, well, she know, was in one home and then she put it to another. Uh, like this nursing home, so it's pretty bad, you know. Yeah. And yeah, I lost my mother-in-law and my mother within yeah. a week of each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> Last summer, this past summer. And, you know, so we're all experiencing these. It's That's that stage in life. Yeah, the season yeah. in life. But we're there for each other. You know, we're, we're supportive and we're encouraged. And, yeah. Um, I love you know. it, by the way. I love going there. I yeah, me too. There. And I, I mean, these guys are my family. I yeah. mean, that's how I look at it. You know, yeah. it's like my family as part of the body of christ you know yeah. it's like we have blood family but then we have this family <laughs> so cal is also a famous painter you know i usually say i uh, do know that water i say well right? this is yep. made by my uh, famous uh, romanian <laughs> painter by the name of calen Militero. it's amazing <laughs> have you seen it ask him to paint something for you this is actually somebody original. asked me today to paint something for go. them another commission yeah i was gonna say you're getting commissions <laughs> i'm getting now. commissions now but it's a to me it's fun and we connected Enjoyment. because of that and yeah. we had we have fun yeah. i mean 
but uh you know George and I laugh like we need to go to Romania and Greece together. Yeah. <laughs> like we should think show each other around. Show each other around. We're <laughs> gonna run around. I love somebody to do something like that and bring people from the church or other people who want to come right. along. Would that be amazing? That would be amazing. Yeah. I could finally get my Greece trip in. There you go. Thanks. You're right. welcome to come along. Yeah. Go hit up Romania. <laughs> it's gonna I be fun. It. I love it. Um we are at about an hour, so um I this is usually about when I when I start to wrap it up, but I mean, I'll let you have some closing thoughts here in just a second. So just feel free to just kind of, I mean, I'd just say if there's any, if there's any final thoughts that you have to talk about, you know, what, any thoughts that you have moving here, getting married. I mean, you've had such a incredible life coming here from Greece and like being away from your family and like they, they didn't do the same route that you So that's, It's a fascinating life that you've had and it was fantastic to have you on and talk to you. So I'm going to, turn it over to you for some final thoughts, but I just want to say in closing that I love about what I love about this podcast is being able to have people on like you and to be able to talk and just learn and to sit down and hear, hear people's stories. And you have a very fascinating story and it's very enriching to hear. So I'm glad you made the jump and you took the risk to come over here. I'm glad that you took the risk to, you know, hang out with your, your wife, Patricia, and to ask her out and to get married and move to Columbus and to have, made it through all of the hard choices that you made it through and all the wonderful things that you made it through and our trip to Honduras, Honduras. which was amazing. So yeah, I can't, I really appreciate you coming on. So any final thoughts that you have to share with folks out here? Yes. Yeah, so one thing I, I want to say is like, I'm so thankful that God brought me here. I know it was God who brought me here and I'm so thankful that I found Jesus Christ here in Columbus. I mean, in, in the United States and I would not have been the same person if I would have never come here. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm thankful for my wife, Pat, my children, Daniel and Victoria, uh, Victoria's husband, Jason. He's an amazing guy as well. Our yes, he is. is expanding, expanding. So it's like to know that, I mean, I'm living God's uh, blessed life. I'm so happy about that. I'm so thankful about that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to have Jason. And also I love our friends. I also love Cal, yeah. military, and his wife, and our group. I mean, we're having a great time at the church. I mean, it's amazing. And he mentioned family. It took me a little while, but now I, I same here. I view the church as my family, as my extended family. Mm. It's good to know that there are people like your family who, who really care about you as a person. So you kind of, in coming here, you you left your family of origin, but you have a, a, a surrogate you. family well here. Yes, sir. That's amazing. Yeah, Very that's well awesome. Cal, did you have any closing thoughts? No, I, I fully agree with him. I believe truly believe in my heart that everything that I've experienced coming to the United States and being here for now so many years and, you know, being, having my family here and, and the extended church family, it's just, it's, it's God taking me step by step. Mm -hmm. You know, he, I can recognize the things he has changed in me over the years, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're all for good. Yeah. You know, uh, so very thankful, um, and happy to share that experience and, and whether it's through coaching or, you know, mentor, I do some mentoring, uh, actually at work, uh, which actually allows me to be pretty straightforward about my faith. Yeah. And if it's not like I'm doing That's some great. kind of just a corporate language type of thing, <laughs> uh, but you know, it's, it's, I think people need to, to, you know, when they embrace God, they need to, let down their guard, and it's hard. That's but it's once very you hard. do that, yeah. yeah, you realize how comforting that is because yeah. now you realize, you know, it's no longer my responsibility. I mean, you have to do certain, you know, you 
you need to live your life. So you have to take responsibility for your, you know, things, work and all that and family. But ultimate responsible party for you is God. Yeah. He's responsible for us. Yep. You know, he, he's made that commitment just like we made that commitment with him. And, you know, he's got to take care of us. He yeah. has to discipline us, steer us in the right places, steer us away from the wrong places. Um, so it's just, it's, it's an enriching life, you know, it's, mm. so I just, uh, you know, I'm very thankful all around and just thankful to have friends like this. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to get yeah, likewise. Like oh, of course. really Very appreciate much. it. I think you're doing a wonderful thing here. And yes, of course, just really, really, um, you know, I think it, it's good for people to hear these kind of conversations. Yes. yes. Hopefully it, it makes them think about some things for themselves. Yeah, hopefully that's that's definitely the end goal. And I really like what you said at the end, like about it's really hard to let your guard down. Yeah, with, I'm with not God. an easy person to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard when you live amongst humans. <laughs> yeah, to, to be able to let your guard down because you can yeah. really. I joined the perfect church, and it's no longer perfect because I showed up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but <laughs> having having yeah. the courage to let your guard down to a <laughs> being is very difficult but but boy yeah it there there's a wholeness that you find on that in that that we're clearly made for um that's that's what i think i've been finding out over the last couple of years is the the, okay. the wholeness that it that that you get from it it there is a, a deep need that's that's there that can only be met by by him and he does take it most of the way Yes, and he does do most of the work. Amen. Um, it's a matter of will, right? Well, we could probably go on for another hour on that topic. So, <laughs> thank you both so much for coming. Yes, thank, thank you, everybody. Thank you thanks so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time on Lancelot's Roundtable. So long, everybody. Bye.